The French created a game to determine whether or not the person that you love loves you in return. It's literally translated plucking daisies. And with each part of the phrase, you pick off a a petal from the daisy. So it goes like this. He loves me. He loves me not. She loves me. She loves me not. Maybe you've played the game. The last pluck of the daisy is the truth between the object of your affection loving you or not. Anyone play the game plucking daisies? I see those hands. There are a few of you out there. I played the game plucking daisies. I was in sixth grade. There was a girl that I really liked. Her name was Liz Baxter. It's funny how you remember the last person, you know, the last name of the person that you had a crush on. Her name was Liz Baxter. She's in sixth grade. She's the cutest girl in school. And I thought she liked me because we were on recess, and every recess she would take my hat and then run. And, and I it had this little cat and game thing going on here, so I'd have to go and chase her and, and find my hat, and it was really this kind of this cute little thing. So I wasn't quite sure if she loved me in return, so I grabbed a flower, and I played the game Plucking Daisies. And I went through, and I said, she loves me. Actually, I said, she likes me. She doesn't really like me. She likes me. And it turned out I got to the end, and she liked me. And I'm a man of action, so at science class that next day, I, I wrote down a little note to her, and it says, do you like me? And there's a little box with, the, with yes and another little box, and then no. You know that little note that you pass on, and so I pass it to her, and she passed it back, and the check was no. And that's why I don't like the game Plucking Daisies. Because it's a silly childish game. I mean, there's no real logic to the game plucking daisies. But it does tell us an important truth about love. And that is that love is fragile. That we don't really know, or sometimes we question, if the person that we love loves us in return. Sometimes we question, does he love me? Do my friends accept me? If I really let my true self shine, will the people that I love love me in return. That's why we have Valentine's Day, right? Because we know that love is fragile. We need to be reminded through flowers or chocolate or notes or cards that we are loved. That's why I'm so glad that God inspired the Apostle John to write a letter to the first century Christians questioning, does God love me? Does God accept me? If I let God into those places, into my life that are dark and secret, that I don't want anyone to go, will he still love me? The Apostle John, the the one that Jesus loved, the beloved disciple, in his old age, he wrote this awesome letter to all of us, wondering, does God love me? And he describes this intimate, personal relationship with God. Last week we started off our series and we learned this great truth about our relationship with God. It's like walking. Do you remember that? That that our relationship with God is like walking with someone that you love. And in a relationship where you're walking and and you kind of have this conversation and, and that's kind of our relationship with God. Through prayer we talk with God and through reading his word he talks to us and so we walk in this intimate relationship with God. And we don't just walk next to God. We don't just hold hands with God. Remember, it's kind of like interlocking fingers. That's how close and how intimate our relationship with God is. It's like walking with someone that you love with interlocking fingers. It's close and sometimes it's uncomfortable. 
Because like we sing, God is holy. He's perfect. He's sinless. And we know that we're not. That we're selfish, self-centered, and sinful. And sometimes that's why we question, does God love me? Because we know God is holy and just and, and that we're not. But not to fear because like we read last week that we have a defender, an advocate, Jesus Christ, who is the atoning sacrifice for our sin. He paid the debt we couldn't pay. And he made a way for us to have a relationship with God that all who confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And last week we talked about how we begin a relationship with God is through confession and believing in Jesus as the one that paid the price for our sin. And this week we're going to continue this theme of walking. But we're not just walking with God. This morning we're going to learn how to walk as Jesus walked. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to John chapter 2, verse 3, page 1207 in your pew Bibles. The words will also be on the screen, but John, the apostle, the beloved disciple, is talking to us Christians who are wondering, does God love me? Does God accept me? And in John chapter 2, verse 3, we read this. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth's not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. And this is how we know we're in him. This is how we know we have a relationship with God. Whoever claims to live in him must, what's the word? Walk as Jesus did. We must walk as Jesus did. I was hanging out with lunch with some pastors here in Maple Grove. By the way, we have some great pastors in Maple Grove. We were having lunch and we were talking about our relationship with Jesus and how at first it starts out by walking with God. Then you become more like Jesus. He cleanses you from your sin. And then one pastor says, and then we walk on mission with Jesus. And that's what John is writing here. To walk as Jesus did is to walk on mission with Jesus. John continues, dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have. Word. You may want to circle that word old. John's writing, I'm writing you an old command, one that you're familiar with, one that you've heard, one that's been with us since the beginning. It's written throughout the scriptures. Anyone want to guess what that old command might be? It's to love. It's to love one another. John reminds the readers of the Old Testament command to love one another, but it's more than just an Old Testament command. John writes, it's been with us from the beginning. It's a command throughout the world's religions. It's found in every of the world's religions. It's found in every nation, every school, every home. Every religion teaches us to love one another and be kind to one another. John writes, I'm not telling you something new. This is an old command. It's a message that you've heard. It's a message that you're familiar with. It's been with us since the beginning. All the religions since the beginning of time say love one another. But then John writes something a little strange. It's a little bit odd. It's a little bit unusual. John writes this, Yet, I'm writing you 
a new command. And we got to think, hey, John, I thought it was something old. How can something old become new? John, I know you're a little bit old in your old age, you know, and, and maybe you're a little bit confused now that you've been walking with Jesus for a long time. But how can something old become new? Well, John writes, I'm writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and you. The darkness is passing. The true light is already shining. The old is becoming new. Do you see the connection? Do you notice how this empty, old, lifeless command to love one another becomes new? John is really quite brilliant as he writes that the old becomes new in him. The truth of the old command to love one another becomes new in him. The life and love of Jesus is so real, so powerful, so personal, so different than any love in all the world that his love makes this old command brand new. Because Jesus is the only one to love us like this. No one has ever loved us like Jesus. No one has ever died for our sins. No God has ever come down to earth to live a life we couldn't live, a perfect life, to die the death that we deserve to die on the cross. No one has ever loved like Jesus. Jesus loves us so well, so intimate, so personal, so deep, so different from anything else in all the world that John calls his love new. That's how Jesus loves us. I was watching a film with my young girls, 8 and 10 years old, on Friday night. We have family fun night. And as I was watching the movie, I was reminded of what a pastor friend recommended that I do. He said, picture Jesus as the hero of the film. I thought that was kind of a little bit strange to picture Jesus as the hero of the film. But he says, as a way to connect deeper with Jesus, picture Jesus as the hero of the film that you're walking. Well, it hap- we happen to be watching uh, a movie called Flicka. I don't know if you know the story of Flicka, but it's about a horse. And, and the horse is like the hero of the film. And it was a little bit odd for me to picture Jesus as a horse. But there was this moment in the film where the girl was almost gonna, was about to get bit by a, a rattlesnake. And she didn't know what was going on. She had her iPad in, and the horse kicks down the stable door, runs to save the girl. The snake bit the horse on the leg, and the horse then proceeded to stomp on the snake and kill it. And I says to myself, that's kind of how Jesus did for us. He saw us. He saw me being tempted in my sin, and he comes, and he took the sting. He took the bite, but he didn't just take the bite. He died in my place. He screamed on that cross, my father, why have you forsaken me? He went to hell. He took the sin of the world on his back for us. That's how much Jesus loves us. It's so intimate, so personal, so powerful, it's so different than anything else in all the world that John says his love for us is made new. It's like new, it's like brand new. That God would come down to live the life we couldn't live, die the death we deserve to die, conquer sin and death, and now he's coming back soon to make all things new. That's how John can write 
that Jesus is the greatest lover. He's the ultimate, command, he's the ultimate hero because no one has ever loved better than Jesus. But John continues. The true, night is, the true light is not only shining in Jesus, but John writes, it's shining in you and in me and in all of us who believe. The truth of the new command is shining in him and you. Darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. The true light of God's love is already shining. And that's a good thing. Because it's hard to see in the dark, isn't it? Darkness is passing. It's hard to see in the dark. It's hard to walk in the dark. When I was in high school, I went on a trip to Colorado, and I was on a hiking trip. And I got separated from the group, so I was walking in the mountains, hiking in the mountains alone, separated from the the group, and the sun started to set. And then I was walking in the mountains alone in the dark, lost, trying to find out where to go. And I was a bit scared. You know how noises get a bit louder and scarier in the dark. And I heard some noises. And it was, a, it was, it was an animal. It was like, and I, I was scared. I heard it again. And so I, I, I ran as fast as I could in the opposite direction. And I didn't know where I was going because it was dark. And I ran right into a barbed wire fence. And I got all tangled up. I still have scars from where the barbed wire fence hit me. And that's what happens when you walk in the dark. It's hard to see where you're going. Things seem scarier. You just run the other way and you end up hurting yourself. And John writes to these believers and he says, but you are children of the light. The light is shining in you. You are seeing and experiencing God's grace and love. You're understanding the sacrifice that Jesus made for you, the atoning sacrifice. You are walking in his love. The light is shining in you. You're not walking in darkness. John writes it later this way. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. See, people in darkness think that we need to do good things in order to make ourselves right before God. That somehow our good deeds outweigh our bad deeds, and that's how we can walk with God. Or maybe our bad deeds are so bad that there's no way that we can have a relationship with God. But the people in the light, they remember that this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us, that he sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for us. And that there's nothing that we can do to make ourselves right before God, but to believe and put our faith in him. In Jesus. And once we put our faith in Jesus, our light, his light is shining through us and we see the world differently. Everything about the world changes. We see our world differently through the lens of God's love. And all of a sudden, our job is not just a job, a place to make money. It's a place to live out our calling and love the people around us. Our Our school is not just a place to get an education, but it's to love others and change the world in the light of God's love. In the light of God's love, our success is not just building us up, but it's a gift from God. Our failures don't just hold us down. They're opportunities to grow. Our sin doesn't separate us from God, but actually draws us closer to God as we confess our sin 
in the light of God's love, everything changes. Our jobs, our relationships, our failures, our sins, our success. In the light of God's love, we're not angry, bored, demanding, sharp, or selfish. We can't be. Because the light brightens our vision of everything. We don't follow an old command to love one another. We have a new power, a new source, a new motivation for love. It's Jesus. And you know what that makes us? You know what that makes all of us who put our faith in Jesus? You know what that makes us? We, we're love machines, right? In the best sense of the word, we're love machines. We can generate love in all of our relationships, at home, school, work, wherever you are at. You can generate love because the true light is shining in you. The true light is shining in you. Anyone who claims to be in the light, verse 9, but hates his brother is still in darkness. Anyone who hates his brother is still walking in the darkness, still lost, still tangled in a barbed wire fence. You, you can't see where you're going. But whoever loves his brother lives in the light. And there's nothing in him to make him stumble. So this is what it looks like to walk in the light. This is what it looks like to walk as Jesus walked. It's to love, not hate. To forgive, not resent. To love others the same way that God loves us. And what's beautiful about the Apostle John, the beloved disciple, is that he just didn't write about this. He lived it. He walked as Jesus walked. There's a great story that a historian in the third century wrote about the Apostle John in his old age. Eusebius wrote about how John won a young man to Christ. He shared the gospel with this young man. The, the man came to faith, and he was discipling the young man. But John had to go off on a journey, so he asked the bishop of the community to watch over this young man and take care of him while he was gone. And when he came back, John asked the bishop, where is the young man that I left in your care? And the bishop replied, alas, he's dead. What do you mean, John asked. And the bishop replied, he's dead to God. And evidently the, the young man had fallen back with his old friends and started living a life of crime, lived as a leader of bandits up in the hills where no one could go because if you went up into the hills where the hideout was located, you could be killed. And so when John heard the news about this young man who was dead to God, he ripped his clothes, dropped to his knees, and cried out to God. And then he stood up and he said, Get me a horse. And he rode off into the hills and he searched for the young man. And eventually the robbers grabbed him, but John didn't care. He didn't care that the bandits captured him. He said, that's fine. I want to be captured. Take me to your leaders. And they did. The bandits took the apostle John to their leaders. And one of the leaders was this young man. And he was brought, that he brought to faith. And as soon as the young man saw John, he started to run. This armed, young, leader, bandit started to run from this old man. So John started to run after him. And then he yelled, Why do you flee from me? I'm an old, unarmed man. 
Don't you see there's still life for you? I'll gladly suffer death for you as the Lord suffered death for me. I'll give you my life. Son, stop. Listen. Trust me. And the young man stopped. And he threw away his weapons. He wept bitterly. And he came back to John. That's what it looks like to walk in the light. That's what it looks like to walk as Jesus walked. Is to love those, to pursue those, to sacrifice your life for those that are distant from God. See, John knew Jesus. He walked with Jesus, but he didn't just walk with Jesus. He walked as Jesus walked. He loved others. But, verse 11, whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded him. What? But whoever walks in darkness doesn't know where he's going. He's blinded by the darkness. He's trapped in a barbed wire fence. His job is just a place to make money. His children are just a place to spend money. His life is boring. He's upset, angry because he's in the darkness and it's hard to walk in darkness. I was at a funeral over the summer for my uncle. My uncle was a great man. He passed away. And, and while I was at the funeral, at the beginning of the funeral, I, I saw my other uncle, his brother. And he was on the side of the worship center. And he didn't quite know what to do. He, he, he was looking a little bit awkward. And he didn't know where to go. And then I remembered that my two uncles once got into an argument many years ago. And I'm not sure what they were fighting about, but they both left the argument miffed and separated for years. And at the funeral, I saw my my uncle empty, broken, and walking in darkness. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know where to go. He didn't know how to interact with the family. So I walked over to him. I brought him into the family, brought him into a conversation. But he was blinded in the darkness. He didn't know how to love his brother, didn't know how to forgive his brother, didn't know how to interact with the family because it's hard to walk in darkness. Whoever hates his brother, John John wrote, walks in darkness. Can't see where he's going. Because the darkness has blinded him. And then as the band plays, I just want to invite you to think about a few questions. Questions for you to consider as we reflect upon God's word. The first one is simply this. Are you walking in darkness? Is there someone in your life that you have yet to forgive? Is it a family member, a co-worker, a friend that has hurt you? wounded you and you just hold on to them. Would you be willing to bring that to the light and forgive the person that wronged you? Are you walking in darkness? Second question is simply this. Are you walking in the light? Are you entering into your relationships at school, at work, at home with the love of Jesus? Or are you just loving people in your own love? Are you loving the people that love you in return? Or are you tapping into 
the love of God found in Jesus Christ to be given away to others. Are you walking in darkness? Are you walking in the light? Because Jesus said, if anyone obeys my word to love one another, God's love is made complete. His love is made complete because he gives love away. And this is how we know him. That we walk as Jesus walked. That we love as Jesus loved. That we forgive as Jesus forgave. That's how we walk in Christ. We walk with Jesus. So I don't know where you're at this morning and where you're at in your relationship with God. All I know is that Jesus wants us to recenter our lives on him. Because every family, every school, every religion says love one another. But Jesus is the only one to love us the best. He died as the atoning sacrifice for our sin. He shines his love and life in us so that we can walk in the light. We don't have to walk in darkness. We can love our enemies. We can love our neighbors. We can love one another. And isn't that what you want? Isn't that what we all want? To experience and give love. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the clarity in your word your great love for us and for a chance to reflect upon the truth that Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And that once we put our faith in him, his love, his life brightens everything. May we walk in the light of his love this day, I pray in Jesus' name.